Did I tell you it was good to be here? It's good to be here. <laughs> Love Jerusalem and all of Israel, Galilee, but it's, it's always good to be home. I was talking to my friend yesterday, uh, Daniel. He's a pastor of Calvary Chapel Summit, and, and we, we were saying, he was saying the same thing. It's like, oh, you know, I, I love Israel, but it's good to be home. You know, it's good to be here. Uh, this is where the Lord has us. This is where the Lord is allowing us to do some work and come alongside uh, His work that He's begun. And so it's exciting just to get back into the swing of things and get into our study this evening. Last week we did a recap of Israel and everything that, that we experienced there. And uh, I'm going to continue to post as uh, probably throughout the year different pictures uh, of Israel and, and everything that we have there. And, and of course, you know, I'll, I'll try my best to uh, accompany those pictures with scripture. We had um, the, the garden tomb. Um, they had a picture of that. And they have, I, I don't know if I shared this with you last week, but uh, there's, uh, and they say it could be the garden tomb, you know, the place where Jesus was laid. But there's an inscription there, um, and it's engraved into the side of the tomb. I know they have it in, um, actually, uh, in red lettering. And it's uh, it says Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega. And uh, they've dated it back to the fifth uh, or sixth century Byzantine uh, period, and so that's pretty close to Jesus's time. And so, I posted a picture like that, and, and uh, we'll continue to post pictures like that. But <clears throat> it's interesting, as uh, already, even yesterday, as as I was talking to David Rosales, um, Pastor David, uh, at the meeting that we have every month, um, he was saying, "Yeah, the the Bible just simply comes alive." Um, not that it's not alive. The, the Word of God is, is living, living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. But what, and I understood what he meant, what he was saying is that now as you study and you teach the Word of God, you have in your mind a picture of these different places that you're reading about. And it truly is, uh, is special. So um, this evening is no different as I'm going, we're going through Joshua chapter 23 and uh, Joshua is uh, is advanced in years, and at this point he is giving basically his farewell address to the Israelites, and um, you know he's giving them the, those those last words, and these words are being shared with the leadership of um, Israel of all the tribes, and so that's where we're at this evening. So please turn in your Bibles if you're not already there to Joshua chapter twenty three. And um, let's start out with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are truly thankful, Lord, once more for this time set apart to get into your word, to study your word, and reflect on what you have to say to each and every one of us. I pray that you would bless our time together, that these words would not uh, just be read and, and forgotten about, but they would truly penetrate our hearts, that we would see how faithful you are. We've already sung about your faithfulness, Lord. I pray that we would be reminded of your faithfulness, not just by what you've done through the Israelites and for the Israelites as you gave them word of this, Lord, your promises, but also as we consider your faithfulness in our own lives. And so, Father, we commit this time into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, a few weeks ago, as we were going through our study in Joshua, we went, went over how the eastern tribes, uh, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of uh, Manasseh, and, uh, had been commended by Joshua for having followed through with what they had been commanded to do and what they promised to do, and that is go uh, across the Jordan and help out the rest of the tribes, not only conquer the land, but get established uh, in the promised land that God had given them. Uh, they followed through with that, and Joshua commended them for that. He blessed them and sent them back east to what they had conquered with Moses and had been given through Moses. But there was a little problem as they went back toward uh, the eastern side of the Jordan, and that is that they erected this altar, and it was the altar of witness. We came to know that it was the altar of witness. 
they ha- never had any intention of sacrificing um, on that altar, but it was, it was a great big monument, basically a reminder um, that they too, these two and a half tribes, were part of the 12 tribes of Israel, and uh, they didn't want future generations to forget that and not given access to come back into the promise, into Israel, and uh, worship the Lord together. So they resolved that very quickly, which was good. And the tribes west of the Jordan recognized it and accepted it, and, um, and the eastern tribes went their way. So a long time after that, some years after that, um, is what we have here before us. Joshua is now old, and he gives the leaders of Israel some parting words. Beginning in chapter 23, and, and we'll see next week how it is as we go into chapter 24, he continues those final words, his farewell address to them before he dies at the age, ripe old age of 110 years old. And so let's start out with the first few verses here in Joshua chapter 23, beginning in verse 1. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake, for it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Let's pause for a moment and reflect on what we just read. You see, some time had passed since the eastern tribes had returned back to their land east of the Jordan, and the other tribes were enjoying peace west of the Jordan from all sides. They were enjoying this rest, this peace. There was still land to be conquered and established, but for now they were enjoying this peace. It was at a time when Joshua knew that he was advanced in years and he wouldn't last much longer, that he called all the leaders of Israel together, as we've read here, to give them his final words. And by the way, and we know by these, and we can look at Joshua, we could look at different leaders, Moses, what he shared in his final uh, moments, uh, Jacob, Um, different people, we can learn a lot about a man from what he does and says when he is parting ways. We can learn a lot. What's important about what took place in the life of Joshua in these final moments. Listen to all that had been done while the Israelites were led by Joshua. Joshua had been given the place of leading the Israelites across the Jordan From the wilderness, they had spent 40 years wandering in. And we know that about 2 million Israelites crossed the Jordan and into the Promised Land. Joshua had also succeeded the great man of Moses. We know that Moses was the friend of God, a humble and meek man who spoke with God like a friend, face to face. He was used to deliver the Israelites from the Egyptians. But he had not been allowed to lead the Israelites across the Jordan and into the Promised Land. One of the things that we did a couple weeks ago is we went to the top of Mount Nebo. Mount Nebo, from there you could see all of the Promised Land across the Jordan. And that was the very mountain that Moses was taken to by God and shown all of the promised land. But then at the same time, was told he was not able to lead them into the promised land. It was there that he breathed his last, and the Lord buried him in the valley of Moab. And so Joshua succeeded such a man, because Moses had not been allowed to lead the Israelites into the promised land, but Joshua did. Joshua led the Israelites in great victories, including Jericho, which is also called the City of Palms, that was greatly fortified. Ai, where they initially experienced defeat, but learned and turned that around. In fact, let's turn to Joshua chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. And I just want to read through, because 31 kings in all were defeated. This was under the leadership and the guidance 
of Joshua. Joshua chapter 12, verse 7 says, And these are the kings of the land whom Joshua and the people of Israel defeated on the west side of the Jordan, from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon to Mount Halak that rises towards Seir. And Joshua gave their land to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their allotments in the hill country, in the lowland, in the Arabi, in the slopes, in the wilderness, and in the Negev, the land of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The king of Jericho won. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, won. The king of Jerusalem won. The king of Hebron won. The king of Jarmuth won. The king of Lachish won. The king of Eglon won. The king of Gezer won. The king of Debir won. The king of Geder won. The king of Horma won. The king of Arad won. The king of Libna won. The king of Adullam won. The king of Makeda won. The king of Bethel won. The king of Tapua won. The king of Hefer won. The king of Aphek won. The king of Lasharon won. The king of Madon won. The king of Hazor won. The king of Shimron Moran won. The king of Asaph won. The king of Tanakh won. The king of Megiddo won. The king of Kadesh won. The king of Jokneam in Carmel won. The king of Dor in Naphath Dor won. The king of Goim in Galilee won. The king of Terzah won in all 31 kings. Think about it. That's a great accomplishment, right? Wonderful what Joshua did as he was leading the Israelites. Impressive. He was the general of the Israelite army. But with all of this accomplished under, and I'll say, quote-unquote, his leadership, his words, nonetheless, to his leaders were this. And you have seen all that the Lord, your God, has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord, your God, who has fought for you. No, bro, we've seen everything you've done. Oh, let's give you kudos, right? They've, let's give you a pat on the back, and it's like, Joshua, you're, you're a great man. You, you have done so much. Turn with me real quick to Luke chapter 17. What we're going to cover here in verses 7 through 10 is a response to the apostles' request for the Lord to increase their faith. Because he said to that, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. But he goes on from that. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 7, it says, Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me and dress properly, and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. It's a great lesson for us. Especially in a day and age in which we are always looking for and striving for and expecting a pat on the back, right? It'd be good. I mean, it's, it's encouraging. Don't get me wrong. It's encouraging when someone comes along and, and it's not evil. It's not a sin. It's not anything like that. I'm not saying that. But when that's what we're doing it for, we will be disappointed. We should be doing things, serving the Lord, because we're simply serving the Lord out of a response to what He has already given to us. His grace. The lesson here is don't be an ungrateful servant of the Lord. Know that we have everything by God's grace. And what we do is only to serve as a proper response to that grace. 
but is really nothing we deserve or do because we are ourselves so great. It's not any of that. We should always be serving the Lord and doing unto the Lord because we simply desire to do that. We can't do enough. We can't give back enough. We, we can't serve the Lord enough and pay back everything that He's given to us by grace. Joshua could have placed the focus on himself, but he didn't. He could have listed all of his accomplishments, but he didn't. He reminded the leaders that it was God who did it. These are his final words, his farewell address to the leadership of Israel. It was God who fought for you. Don't ever forget that. It was God who was faithful to you. Don't ever forget that. And he did this all just as he said he would. What a great reminder. We, we sung about this just before we came to the word, right? We sung about God's faithfulness. What did Joshua do? He gave God all of the credit. He glorified the Lord. And I remember one of the things that I learned long ago, I was told. One of the things not to touch. One of the three things not to touch. Do not touch God's glory. Don't touch it. Give it to him and leave it there. Always. And so Joshua reminded them of what the Lord had done for them. And then he describes the work that they have before them. Because that's, that's, by the way, a good leader. He reminds you of God's faithfulness, is what Joshua was doing. But then he says, but there's more work to do. There, there's this before you. And it's a great work. And he does that. In verse 4, as he continues, he says, Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off, from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land, just as the Lord your God promised you. I, I love this. It's, these are the things that he allotted for them. <laughs> By the way, this is what I've... It's what the Lord had allotted to them, but by instruction and, and a leading of the Lord himself. He was telling them, you've enjoyed peace on all sides and you do so on this day. But it's not time to relax. It's not time to sit back because you're not done. Israel as a whole had defeated the strongholds that the Canaanites had in the land. But it was the responsibility of the individual tribes to possess the remainder of the promised land. And, and that's what Joshua had allotted to them. Hey, listen, this is your responsibility. Joshua had identified for them those areas of land that were still occupied by the Canaanites. And the tribes that were to go in and conquer those specific areas, he had addressed. He was telling them, you can do it. Remember God's faithfulness. Remember what he's done up to this point. And he's telling them at this point, you can do it. Why? Because the Lord is faithful and will continue to follow through with what he promised. Joshua was describing the work before them and encouraging them by reminding them how there have been, there have been 31 kings defeated up to that point. The Lord will continue to push these people back and drive them out. He said, and he says, he'll drive them out of your sight. You won't even be able to see them. The Lord will do this. And Joshua, with confidence, told them, you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Again, we, we need to rest in God's faithfulness. We need to look at his word. We need to understand what he's already spoken to us through his word. In like Joshua. Stand on it with confidence. And then in, the, and then in verse 6, we see what he requires. Verse 6, he says, Therefore, because you know all of these things... Because I've just told you all of this, reminded you of all of this, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, 
turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. That is what's required of you, Israel. For Because of all of this, this is why I was saying to serve the Lord is simply a response of what He's already done for us. We love because He first loved us. And what does God require? It's simple, and yet it's extremely difficult at the same time. We can't do it perfectly, but we sure should give it a great shot and know that we can walk according to the Spirit and bless the Lord. Obedience. Obedience. Not out of duty. Not because we fear the Lord and that we fear His discipline. We shouldn't do things like that. But out of a love for God. That's not what He desired then and that's not what He desires today. Obedience to God originates with faith and reverence for Him because of the love that one has for Him. That's where it originates. That, that's why, you know, as I've said, our, res, our life response is one of great joy and contentment and satisfaction and is never a burden when it's done with the right heart. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You want to know what real courage is? Love God and live a life of obedience toward Him. That's courage. That takes courage. And that also demonstrates great strength. Godly men are uncompromising men who are men, and and I love this term, I I heard it years ago. Men who are uncompromising men, who are men of steel and velvet. I I, I love that, that picture. Men who are strong protectors of their wives and family and flock, their person and faith. And at the same time are gentle in spirit because they have the Spirit of God and are led by the Spirit of God and are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. There's this this great strength in a man like that. And I would say there's great beauty in a woman like that. That's courageous. Two ways in which God's people are to be obedient to the Word of God. Number one, and it's simple, just, I'm just going to cover two. Number one, completely. Completely. Don't pick and choose and follow what you like and then ignore or delay or turn the other way and being obedient to what you don't. Completely. Secondly, you can't turn aside from the path of doctrine, sound doctrine. It leads you in. In other words, there is a humanistic religion that exalts Humanity and its wisdom, which is no wisdom in comparison to the Lord. Uh, Man has a tendency to make this up and require others to follow. We see that today. No, we need to stay on the narrow path that God's word brings us down. And we are to stay there. That takes courage. That's, That's difficult. But at the same time, we know that we are at peace with our Lord, when we do remain on that path, when we don't go to the left or to the right, and when we humbly approach and are faced with the truth and are confronted with it and surrender to it, that's courage. You have cults and many false religions and false teachers that emphasize certain things that are not biblical. You have them all around you. They say, some of them say, Jesus is not the Son of God, or that you too can become a God. Or some of the other things, such as you're not saved unless you speak in tongues, or unless you are baptized only in the name of Jesus, or not in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Make a big deal out of that. There's so many other things. If you're not a member of our church, then you can't go. If you don't observe certain sacraments, you can't go to heaven, Glory clouds, grave sucking, and that is true. 
Did you know about that? Have you heard about that? Yeah. Grave sucking? It's, it's a real thing. As if they could suck out from dead people the anointing that they had when they were alive. Weird, right? Unbiblical. Unbiblical. And yet people are following that. Um, let me bring out some others. Uh, spiritual formation, new apostolic reformation, slain in the spirit, and, and many more. But then you have here recently, perhaps you, you have read about um, James McDonald getting fired from Harvest Bible uh, Chapel for mishandling of finances and so many other things. You, you have to read about that. Levi Lusco quoting Dr. Dre. Have you, have you seen that quote? Yeah. Francis Chan, another one that is going the way of these things. Uh, Beth Moore being considered for the presidency of the SBC. Um, she is uh, eschatologically, you know, as far as the church is concerned and doctrine concerning the church, uh, she should not be teaching men, she should not be over men, and yet she's practicing both. And a lot of people are applauding that. In fact, in fact, that's coming up within the church. If you haven't like noticed that, just keep your eyes open. And, and we know that that's unbiblical. And again, let me give you in addition to that, because I don't want you also to misunderstand me, that women, women are not less. We have different places even within our marriages, Right? And we need to take responsibility for what God has ordained for us to be responsible for. And that's one place that the Lord has order in his church. And he says, this is the way it's going to be. And so again, we're faced with scripture. What do we do? We should humbly submit to it and surrender to it and say, exactly. That's exactly what will follow, Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay. There are those things that are subtle, and then there are those things that are not subtle, and people still fall, fall for them. So we need to stay on the path that the Word places us on and would keep us on if we line ourselves up with it. And that's the condition for us. We, we ought to align ourselves with the Word of God. Here are some things that Joshua tells the Israelites, according to the Lord, is to be avoided in order to not fall to the left or to the right. And he says in verse 7, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. If you remain on the path, then you will not mix with the world in a compromising way. Don't allow the enemy to remain in your midst. Put away those things in your life that are not of God. And, and that's what he was telling the Israelites. That's what Joshua is reminding the leadership. Don't do this. Don't compromise in this way. For us, when we can say, when you get convicted by the Spirit and it aligns with the Word of God, here's what I was speaking about earlier. When you're confronted with it, put it away from you. That means you confess it and you repent. You turn away. Don't allow, allow for those things to remain in your vocabulary ease either. You know, I had just mentioned Levi Lusco. And if you haven't seen it, just you need to see it for yourself. Him quoting on Instagram, Dr. Dre. Those things shouldn't be in our vocabulary. My wife was telling me that his, his daughter also had a shirt that had vulgar... It's not? Huh? Oh, Dr. Dre's daughter. Well, when you quote Dr. Dre, that's what you get. <laughs> Dr. Dre's daughter that had foul language. And we would expect that from Dr. Dre, right? But not, for, not that a pastor would be quoting that. Don't trust in those things that are of the world is what we have here before us. That's what Joshua is reminding the Israelites of. Don't trust in those things that are of the world. Don't live your lives for the things of the world. Don't worship the things of the world. James 4.4 4 says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 
John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And this, by the way, John 17, 17, was when the Lord Jesus was praying for us to the Father. In fact, a couple verses later, he says, I am consecrated that they may be consecrated, that they may be set apart. In me, they are set apart. And we are to be set apart in the truth. And he says, your word is truth. But this all includes joining in with cults and heretical teachings and false religions of the world. Not just the world itself. Because if we were to be taken out, then of all of that, we'd be taken out of the world. As soon as we came to to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, we'd be taken out of the world. But we remain, but are supposed to be set apart unto the Lord. Instead, in verse 8, he says, But you shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done to this day. It's the same word of encouragement and the same word of warning then as it is today. Don't trust in all of these things. Don't get mixed up in the world. Be careful for those things that can lead you astray, that can take you to the left or to the right. Instead, remember God's faithfulness and cling to the Lord. Cling, trust in Him, walk with Him. Hold fast to Him. Trust Him, live for, worship God and God alone. The same thing that Joshua was telling them in that day, we have throughout the New Testament spoken to us today. The Old Testament and the New Testament. We have the same God. He will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have the same message. And Joshua tells them that they've done it up to this point, is what he's telling them. This is a word of encouragement, at the same time a word of warning. He says, you've been doing it up to this point. Now keep doing that. In other words, he's telling them, this is how we've been so victorious up to this point. The Lord has called us from Joshua chapter 1. Keep these commandments. Know them. Allow them to guide you, to keep you. And now he's telling them, keep doing that. Keep doing. These are his parting words, his last words that he's telling. Do you not think they're important? No matter how long we've been walking faithfully with the Lord, we too need to hear these words. Hey, don't let up. Don't relax. Stay faithful to the Lord. Keep doing what you've been doing. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Remember, it's His might that we walk in. Why? Because this is how we've been driven We've driven out some pretty strong and mighty foes, is what Joshua is telling them. This is how. Remember. Remember Jericho? How is it that the walls came down? Obedient to the word of God. Remember that? Israel, you remember that? We simply listened to what the Lord was telling us. I imagine some of the Israelites may have thought, this is pretty wild, right? First day, march. Second day, march. Every day. And then on the seventh day, seven times, blow the trumpet, the walls come down. Take the city. Wow. That That was simply being obedient to the Lord. That was it. AI. They were defeated. Why? Because they were disobedient. Once Joshua took care of that, he went back, he was obedient to the Lord. He went back, AI was defeated. And so the rest of the kings, the 31 kings. The Lord has been with Israel, victorious, leading them in these victories because they had not turned their backs on him and rejected him. And it was in his might. He was being faithful to them. 
So he was telling him, cling to the Lord. Remember all of these things. Cling to the Lord. And then verse 9. It says, For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. Oh, it's, it's good to be encouraged, but it's good to be warned too. The question is, is, sometimes we think that we just live in God's blessings no matter what we do, right? Let me ask you a question. Could the Israelites do anything to remain in God's blessings? The answer is yes, because Joshua's given them the condition, right? It was conditional. That is, re, uh, remain in obedience, and, and yes, otherwise receive God's discipline. Even a child is blessed or disciplined according to actions and attitudes of the heart. Even a child, right? It, a child is obedient and follows through. Great. We, we would love to shower them with blessings, right? Right? Parents? <laughs> but a good parent, a loving parent, would also discipline their child. You know what discipline is, is correction. It's training a child. This is what is right, and this is what is wrong. One of the things that, the areas that we've gone wrong today is that we fail to discipline because we have not understood what discipline is. It's training up a child, coming alongside and saying, no, 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 go that way, go, oh yeah, there you go, yeah, that's it right there, and encouraging them when they are doing things well. It's training them. Why would we think it'd be any different for us as Christians, as children of God? The Lord has given you victories over the enemy, is what Joshua was telling them. The Lord's given you victories. Tons of victories. We just covered them. Tons. Big enemies, strong enemies, fast enemies. In fact, he was telling them, the Lord has not allowed not one man to stand before you. You remember back... Uh, you could say refer to Joshua chapter 1. Remember when he told us that not a man will be able to stand before you? And here we are. Not a man has been able to stand before us. In fact, you know very well that the Lord has caused one of us to put a thousand on the run. You've seen it. Why is that? It's because the Lord fights for you. Just as he promised you. Oh, what great words from a great leader. This is a great leader. He's pointing to the Lord all the way through. He's pointing to God, giving God the glory. He's giving you victories. It's because of him, him that we've enjoyed these things. Keep your eyes on him. Trust in him. Obey him that you may remain in that same place. These are my last moments of my life, but I want you to be blessed. That's wonderful. That should be spoken from a godly father to his children and to his family. That should come from a leader, from a pastor. No matter if I come or go, you know, if, if I'm here today and gone tomorrow, church, please continue to put your trust in the Lord, in Him and Him alone. These are commandments that the Lord has given that we ought to walk in. They're not suggestions or options, and He's not worried if you're offended by them either. They are His standards to follow and keep. That's what Joshua is telling him. 
This indeed has happened with Israel. I was in Israel just one and a half weeks ago. We were, several of us, seven of us, were there in Israel. This very thing that Joshua is warning them of. I can tell you that much of their failure has been because they have never fully driven everyone out of the promised land and kept them out. Now they have Muslims that are contending for land in Israel, Palestinians in Gaza, the West Bank. In fact, we were out up on Mount Gerizim overlooking a Palestinian village that was the, the, is, is the headquarters of Hamas. And the, they're dealing with all of this because they didn't follow through what the Lord had told them to do to begin with. Now we know. We know how it all ends, Right? That's a good thing. That's, that's the thing that we can look forward to. But no doubt that they have truly become snares and traps, whips and thorns. We see that today. In fact, wasn't it just yesterday that there, that, that there was a temple police officer that had been badly hurt by, uh, what are they called, Molotov cocktails? Been thrown at them and, and uh, there was gunfire on Temple Mount? Because of these things. But let's think about our lives. And how it is that the things we sometimes consider to be harmless can become, if they haven't already, snares, traps, whips, and thorns. And sometimes it's We've insisted on them so much that the Lord is no longer driving them out of our own lives. We've be, because we've been given them a place in our lives and insisted that they should stay. You know, there's a, a letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. Romans chapter 1. The people insisted on living in depravity. And there was a point where the Lord says that He gives them over to their depravity. May, they not, may that not be the fact with us. Again, when we're confronted with the truth of God's Word, when our actions, what we're doing, is confronted by the Word of God, and, and we see it in, in, in the light of God's Word, and we see it for what it is, what we do is very important at that very moment. Do we confess it and do we repent? Or do we insist that, no, it won't be a snare, it won't be a whip, it won't be a thorn, it won't be a trap, I can handle it, it's not a problem for me, it's okay, I, I, can, I can, I'll do okay. Well, the Lord tells us to drive those things away, to turn from them. Any wickedness, any darkness, anything that is profane, he tells us, turn away from it. Don't play with it. Because if you play with fire sooner or later, you'll get burned. You can't bring fire unto your person and think that you won't get burned. Isn't that a silly picture, though? It's like, here, I'm, I'm going to give you some coals. Go ahead, go ahead and bring them in close. It's like, um, I would tell my child, <laughs> what are you doing? You're, it, it's going to start actually getting very painful here pretty soon. No, no, I can handle it. Right? It, it's a silly picture, but it's true. That's, what we, that's sometimes what it looks like when we hold on to it. Like as if it, we're immune to it. We shouldn't do that. We should know better. And that's what Joshua was telling the Israelites know better. You should not do this. Follow through with what the Lord told you to do. Go through and drive all of the people out. And then he gives them his final words here in 14. At least in this chapter. Next week we'll go over the rest. Verse 14 says, And now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. 
But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. Joshua does not desire this. He's not telling them this because he just wants to bring bad news. He, he wants them to avoid this. You, you see what he's saying is, is he's telling them that this is simply what he's telling the Israelites. God is faithful. He's promised to bless you, but he's also promised to discipline you. He's promised to bring judgment. Don't take that lightly, is what he's telling them. Please, don't take that lightly. Don't test them in these things. Because all that he promises come to pass. And he says, and you know it. You've seen it all. It's all come to pass. There's not one word of God that has failed. Not one And so Joshua was telling the Israelites, Israelite leaders to consider God's faithfulness in all that has taken place. I mean, we've, we've covered all of it up to this point. Just as he was faithful to bless, so he is faithful to carry out his discipline and remove Israel from the land. He did, and it wasn't until May 14th, 1948, that they return to the land and they're still making their way back. Ethiopian Jews are being brought back. There's a thousand in total. I believe there was a group of 80 that returned here recently. They're continuing to come back to the land. But there's much more that's going to take place. The Lord will come back for his church. And then, the end is not. There's a time of tribulation. The good news. God will not curse us in Christ. He has been a curse for us. As new covenant believers of Jesus Christ, we will not be cursed, but he will discipline us. That he will. He's faithful to keep his word. Because the Lord says he disciplines those whom he loves. And so we know as his children, when we go astray, when we go to the left or to the right... He'll warn us, he'll remind us of his word. But at some point, if we receive his discipline, it's simply because he loves us. He lets us fall, right? I, I, ha- I remember some time ago turning my back on the Lord, and I remember when he allowed me to just fall flat on my face. It was the best thing that could have happened to me. And at that point, I had a decision to make. I had to exercise my will. I I would either either further reject him and be angry with him or realize that he was trying to get my attention one more time. The lesson applies to us this way. If we remain faithful to God and obedient, then we can rest assured that we will be at peace with him. I cannot tell you that your life will be Healthy, wealthy, and full of prosperity. I I cannot tell you that. That is not what the Bible teaches. But I can tell you this, and this no one can take away, and it's the greatest treasure that you can have. It's being at peace with the Lord. There's nothing that can beat that. That is the greatest treasure that we can experience as we possess the Lord and He possesses us. And and we have this peace with Him. There's nothing else. We can have money, not have money. We can have a house, not have a house, have a car, not have... It doesn't matter. If we're right with the Lord, no one can take away that joy and that hope that we have in Him. That peace that we have in Him. You can enjoy blessings in a sound and upright relationship with Him. 
If we are unfaithful to God and disobedient, then we can rest assured that we will be in spiritual turmoil and under conviction of the Holy Spirit because that's what His job is to do. It's to bring conviction in order to be reconciled and to be brought back into a right relationship with the Lord. He doesn't desire for us to continue on. Oh, wayward child, it's okay. The Lord says, no, that's not okay. I am a righteous and holy God, and I desire for my children to be set apart unto me, that they would look unto me, trust me, and enjoy this relationship with me. And so he disciplines for that very reason, that we would be brought back into that relationship, that intimacy with the Lord. The Lord corrects us as a loving father does because he loves us. It isn't because he desires to drive us away, but rather he wants us to draw unto him. And so it was that Joshua, the great leader that he was, was not pointing the finger at himself for all the great things that they had accomplished. He reminded them of God's faithfulness which is great. These are God's victories because He fights for you. Not one word has gone astray. Not one word has not been fulfilled. Remember that. You know that. And now just stay faithful to Him. Cling to Him. Worship Him. Trust in Him because He'll bring you through and He'll help you to, and He'll go before you and drive the remainder of those enemies out of the land and give you full occupancy of what he has promised. And so it is with us. Remain faithful, church. Keep walking with them. Don't allow those things that serve as compromise to be snares and traps and whips and thorns. Confess them, repent, and walk uprightly before the Lord. There's no greater peace than to walk uprightly before him. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, Lord, for your faithfulness, your love, for your grace, your mercy. Lord, thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for reminding us of your faithfulness and how it is that you go before us. You fight our fights. We simply need to walk in obedience to you to bless and glorify you. In anything, Lord, that is worthy of praising, Lord, we give you all the glory for. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you once more. We ask that you would fill us with your spirit to overflowing. May the joy of the Lord be our strength as we fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.